This morning I'll be reading from Luke 10, 25 to 37 in the New International Version. It's Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Lord, the, the Lord your God, with all, love you, the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I need to give a disclaimer before I start the sermon that I wrote it on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then last night, uh, actually yesterday afternoon, uh, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook a video clip of Jared McKenna's sermon. And I start watching it, <clears throat> and Jameson was walking around the house, and I said, oh no. Oh, stop. Just stop. And I, maybe he thought something was wrong. He said, Daddy, what's wrong. I said, he's preaching my sermon. <laughs> so those of you that were in Colorado this week, just pretend you didn't, pretend this is all fresh stuff. Would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Would you speak to us this morning through me or despite me? In Jesus' name, amen. What is the meaning of life? What is life all about? You ever stop and ask yourself these big questions like this? Really take stock of why we're doing what we're doing every day. In our text this morning, the lawyer asks a big question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus responds in a very rabbinical style. He doesn't just answer the question. Instead, he asks a question. What do you think the law is about? What's your understanding? What do you think life is all about? And the lawyer responds, and he responds well. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew and Mark, it's Jesus who says these words. When he's asked, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus gives this as the two greatest commandments, not separated into one. Love God and love others. And so Jesus really appreciates this lawyer's response. And yet the lawyer doesn't leave well enough alone. It says he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. And he asks a question that I'd rather him not ask. I'd rather him just leave well enough alone. But he pushes. He says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus launches into a story that his first hearers probably didn't like the meaning of. In truth, maybe you and I don't really like the meaning of his story. We've heard the story so much that we unfortunately lose the significance of what Jesus says. See, we admire the good Samaritan. It's unfortunate, maybe, that it's labeled and titled in our Bibles as the good Samaritan. That's not a characterization that happens in the text itself. Good Samaritan would have been a contradiction to the good Jews listening to Jesus. There was no such thing as a good Samaritan to the Jewish audience. To us, Samaritans are helpful people. We talk about being Samaritans. We, we go out into the community and we're supposed to be Samaritans. There's a relief organization called Samaritan's Purse. Sometimes I wonder if we really understood what a Samaritan was, would we want to title something Samaritan's Purse? It all suggests that Samaritans are good people. Be like the Samaritan. So I want to borrow a retelling of this parable from Eva Petros. And I want to read this story in a way that might shake us up a little, that might help us to hear this story as Jesus' original audience would have heard the story. It begins, a Christian man was traveling from New York down to Philly when he was carjacked by a gang. He was robbed, beaten half to death, and left lying on the side of the highway. Incidentally, a Catholic priest drove by, but when he saw the man lying there, he switched lanes and kept going. A televangelist then came by and even slowed down to gawk a little, but then he also drove on home. Now let me pause here in the story. 
Because it would be great if the next person coming along was a good old Church of the Brethren person. We've seen the Catholic priest, and we've seen the televangelist, and we really want the next person down the road. We want the hero of the story to be a service-loving Church of the Brethren person, maybe somebody from Spring Creek. That would be awesome. That's not where Jesus takes the story. Perhaps Jesus' audience suspected that the hero of the story would be a common Torah-observant Jew, not one of those elite priests, not one of those uh, stuck-up Levites, just a common Jew. That would make their day. That would really stick it to the system. Unfortunately for us, that's not where Jesus takes the story. So stick with me. It gets a little bumpy. Then, a Muslim immigrant drove by. And when he saw the man, he felt deeply compassionate for him. He pulled over and put the man in his car, getting blood all over his seats. He drove to the nearest hospital. And when the receptionist asked at the ER about insurance, the Muslim said, here's my credit card. Just bill me. I have to keep traveling, but here's my contact info in case you need anything else. He stopped. Surely the hero of our story is not someone different. Surely the hero of our story couldn't be a Muslim. It hits us in the gut and makes us squirm. I'm sure you're squirming as much now as I was writing it. I had to sit for a couple of days with this story because it's uncomfortable. Actually, the Muslim Christian comparison to the Jewish Samaritan conflict is fairly accurate. See, Samaritans claimed a common ancestry with the Jews, which by the time of Jesus is a very doubtful claim. This group of Samaritans, these religious Samaritans, had really been a mixed up group pulled from all kinds of different ethnicities, nationalities, religions pulled into a common group. They had their own version of the Pentateuch, the, the first five books of our Bible. They believed that they were following the real Torah. They thought that they had maintained a pure faith and that the Jewish faith had been distorted and corrupted. There was conflict between these groups before and after the time of Jesus, there was open hostility between Jews and Samaritans. At one point, Samaritans had gone in and snuck into the temple, and they had left bones. It defiled the temple, and it caused a whole lot of hostility between these groups. 
after the time of Jesus, the, the Jews and Samaritans were having an argument. That argument was taken before the Roman emperor when the emperor sided with the Jewish delegation. The Samaritan delegation was taken and killed. These two groups of people did not get along. They were enemies. I want to look at that text a little bit closer. See, Jesus doesn't say anything about the beliefs of the Samaritan. He doesn't approve of a distorted faith. When we read elsewhere in John 4.21 about a story where Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman at the well during the middle of the day, it's another story we really would rather not wrestle with and deal with the implications of. But in the midst of this conversation, the Samaritan woman asks about worship and where the proper place to worship is. And Jesus says, you Samaritans worship in a way and a God that you don't know. We Jews worship a God that we, we do know. But there is a time coming where location of worship isn't going to matter. But here in our story this morning, Jesus focuses on the enemy love of a Samaritan. How this Samaritan stops and loves someone that is other. That loves someone that is different. Loves someone that his culture, his religion has told him he should hate and despise. When the lawyers asked, who is the better neighbor? The lawyer can't even say the name of someone who he thinks is a half-breed heretic Samaritan. Instead, he says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus' response is to go and do likewise. But I want to go back for a second to the priest and to the Levite. Why do they pass by? Why do they go around the man? Perhaps it has something to do with their cleanliness laws and they don't want to uh, defile themselves by potentially touching a corpse. Maybe that's why. Benefit of the doubt. Perhaps they're afraid of what might happen to them. Perhaps they're afraid they'll get taken advantage of if they help someone out. Maybe they think that this person laying on the road is a trap. Maybe the thieves are still hiding, waiting for someone to come along. Martin Luther King Jr. said that the priest and the Levite wonder what might happen to them if they helped the man. What will happen to me if I stop? <clears throat> I might be taken advantage of. I might get hurt. Something bad might happen to me. I might defile myself. I might not be able to make it down to the temple to do my duties. What might happen to me? But the Samaritan, he asks himself, 
What will happen to me if I don't stop and help? What will happen to my soul? How will I be able to live with myself if I don't stop and help this person out? What will happen to me if I don't help? We're left with the nagging question, who is my neighbor? Who are our neighbors that we are called to help? But I also want to ask, who are the Samaritans in Hershey? Who are the Samaritans that live around us that we'd rather not deal with? That we'd rather not come in contact with? That we'd rather not have help us? And it's questionable whether we would want to help them. Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, LGBTQ people, addicts, Democrats, Republicans. Who are the Samaritans? And honestly, how many Samaritans do you know? Do you personally know? I'll be honest, I don't know that many. I need to learn more names, more life situations of Samaritans around me. Again, I hope you feel as uncomfortable now as I did writing. It's a story that confronts us. How do I act with mercy and do like the Samaritan? Imagine a world where God's people did likewise. Imagine a world where we loved and cared for people that are other. Imagine a world where we loved and sought the best even for our enemies. And how do we act with mercy? The text says a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Within the context of the story and who Jesus is talking to, we assume the man is Jewish. But the text doesn't say who he is, what his religion is. Maybe the Samaritan traveling down the road just sees another human being. And his religion, his ethnicity, everything about him is eternally secondary to the fact that there is a person laying on the road, someone in need of help, someone in need of compassion, and he sees another human being in need. What would it be like for you and me to see other people like ourselves in need of mercy and compassion? Acting with compassion and mercy might look like meeting someone's immediate physical needs. Acting with compassion and mercy might look like showing love to someone who's depressed, to someone who's lonely, loving someone who's been beat up by life. 
Martin Luther King also said this about living as a good Samaritan. He said, on one hand, we are called to play the good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will be only an initial act. One day we must come to see that the whole Jericho road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin at a beggar. It is not haphazard and superficial. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. After all the the rain that we had this week, there were a number of roads that need fixed. A number of road projects are underway to fix what has been damaged. So I wonder this morning, what roads to Jericho need fixed in Hershey? See, the Good Samaritan expresses love for an individual neighbor. But I also wonder, what does it mean for neighbors who are being systematically robbed and abused? What does it mean to be a church that looks at large issues of poverty in Hershey, of sex trafficking, of opioid abuse? What does it mean to be a church that looks at the effects of climate change on our local and our global neighbors? What does it mean to be a church that looks at refugees fleeing violence in their own country only to find criminalization in other countries? What does it mean to be a church that looks at gun violence and violence of words in our own country? There are big issues creating beaten and abused, robbed and victimized people all over the road. Imagine a world where the people of God showed such compassion. See, the religious men, they ignored the injured man. People aren't saved or helped simply by becoming members of a church or showing up on a Sunday morning. Jesus didn't come to establish religious practices in order for us to earn our salvation. But Jesus did call the church to be the central social organism through which God now acts in the world. So the church is called to live now as a presence of the kingdom now. And so our practices and our rituals are meant to remind us of a God who comes to our rescue with great compassion. This morning we'll be taking communion. We'll be reminded of Jesus' body and blood, symbolized by the bread and the cup, broken and poured out for you and for the entire cosmos. We're reminded that we have all been lying on the road, dead in sin, but in the compassion and love of God, in the mercy and grace of God. Jesus came to lift us up, to heal our wounds. We are reminded that Jesus will bring 
all things under his dominion, and he will make everything right. No more victims on the road. No more worrying about who is and who isn't a Samaritan. No more broken roads to Jericho. So this morning, I wonder, where might God be calling you to be a neighbor? To love those around you. To love those other, different enemies. Who are the beaten and robbed you are being called to show mercy and compassion to? I'll invite you to stand as we turn in our brown hymnals to number 668. I'll go where you want me to go. Would you stand?